0: Welcome to the Paranormal News Insider for the week of June 9th, 2020. And this is officially episode number 438. I suppose I can count that high. And this is your host, Dr. Brian D. Parsons. And we are live on the Paranormal King radio network at ParanormalKing.com. And we've got a lot of news for you this week. I, I don't know what's going on. Something in the water. I don't know what, but uh, people are getting out, and stories are starting to roll in. People are starting to to see some stuff out there, and uh, it, it might be a little bit of normalcy here for 2020, finally, uh, after a few months of craziness and zaniness. Uh, so we've got all kinds of stuff. We're going to be all over the world, pretty much all over the world. We're going to be in, uh, well, we're going to be in Europe a little bit. Then we're going to be... Uh, Well, we're going to be out west here in the United States. We're going to go down to Texas to wrap it all up, of course. Always got to have a good story about Texas. And uh, so we're going to talk crocodiles, ghosts, UFOs, uh, things blowing up, and uh, some sky noise, which we haven't talked about in quite a while. Uh, It's been a really weird year for for, uh, paranormal news, especially for me at least. A lot of stories I haven't talked about in a long time. Uh, Or at all tackled this year. So it's actually been uh, pretty good. Of course, we had a week there where we had really nothing going on. Couldn't even report on anything. But uh, things are starting to heat up, quite literally. It's like 95,000 degrees outside here where I'm at, I'm pretty sure. It's pretty close, uh, plus or minus a few thousand degrees. But it's pretty darn close. It's pretty pretty much in the mid-90s. And we're going to have uh, low 90s tomorrow and the threat of the remnants of that uh, tropical depression, I guess it is now, whatever's going on. But uh, rain, hail, tornadoes, eh, usual stuff here in Ohio. I throw a little snow and it'll be right at home. Uh, what else is going on this week? So I made an announcement. I don't know if anybody saw it or not, uh, but I did finally finish and I found out that I screwed up my website. Uh, But I just fixed it before the show. Uh, I have finally finished after I don't know how long. It's been a couple of years in the making. Actually, probably three years in the making. I finally finished a link on the website. And I've changed out links. And I've put in books. So now all the books that I've talked about on the show. And you may be like wondering, when have you really ever talked about books? It's been a while. Uh, Actually, I've not done it since uh, beginning of 2018. So it's been a couple of years that we've talked about. I used to have a segment called Book of the Week here on the show, and I spent a lot of time and effort doing it. And I tied it in with a a majority or one of the big stories of the week or a majority of the stories, uh, one book that really kind of tied into it. And basically what I did is give a little report on the book, Uh, These are all books that I've read, most of them um, nonfiction type of books, and uh, I've covered a lot of topics, uh, a lot of cryptozoology and and different facets of that, uh, UFO and related topics, uh, lots of ghost books. I think a majority of them are ghost books. Uh, I've even put in a regional ghost section for a lot of the books I've talked about from Ohio. Uh, Gettysburg, Key West, a couple of Key West books. A lot of the stuff I've got on vacations, but some stuff requested, some stuff just off of my bookshelf, Uh, some science, psychology, and miscellaneous, a lot of stuff in that one as well. I've only got one fiction book on my list, but uh, maybe expanding this, I'd like to start talking about Books of the Week again, and uh, I did kind of throw a little bit of, of something out there for you guys to uh, check out last week, and that was the Paranormal Poll. So I'm not sure if you saw that. The Paranormal Poll is right there on the front web page of ParanewsInsider.com, the official home of the Paranormal News Insider. Yes, ParanewsInsider.com has a link to the Paranormal Poll right there on the front page. And if you click on that, you go in there. Uh, Currently, I have three active polls and the first one I asked, what is your favorite nonfiction paranormal book? And I gave you six options, which isn't very much considering uh, I've got literally hundred 110 or 112, something like that, in the listing for the book of the week, which I did over a course of uh, over two years or so on the show. So uh, I do have uh, two books out of cryptozoology two out of ufos and two out of ghosts and uh, wanted to see what you guys were really interested in i was really blown away and normally i don't i don't vote so normally i I don't take part in this i've done a few in the past but i don't i don't vote on my own thing because i want to see what you guys you guys are interested in and very interesting it was uh, pretty much across the board uh, everybody seemed like every book got a vote except for Sasquatch: The Apes Among Us by John Green, and that's a kind of a a really specific book for people who are into Bigfoot. John Green is a as a legend in uh, in the West Coast, British Columbia area, and uh, his books are tremendously well researched. But it's it's for kind of the hardcore Sasquatch people. Uh, but uh, one of the top books, uh, actually, everything got equal. Uh, Cryptozoology A to Z, the Encyclopedia of Loch Ness Monster, Sasquatch, uh, Chupacabras, and Other Authentic Mysteries of Nature by Lauren Coleman. Uh, the finish tied for second. Also tied for second, Stanton Friedman's Flying Saucers and Science, A Scientist Investigates the Mysteries of UFOs, Interstellar Travel, Crashes, and Government Cover-Ups. And also tied for second, Circular Evidence, a historical book here. Circular Evidence, A Detailed Investigation of the Flattened swirled, swirled Crop Phenomena. That's written by Pat Delgado and Colin Andrews. And it's pretty much the book that launched the popularity of crop circles. Well, Doug and Dave, they really launched it. But uh, this book is what really got... A little bit of academic attention, a little bit more attention from people investigating, people called seriologists. It's going to be a quiz later on. Uh, also on this uh, list, tied for a second, "Ghosts: True Encounters of the World Beyond" Hans Holzer. And if you've uh, you know that book, that book is like uh, pretty much like the size of a giant brick. Uh, it's it's a giant doorstop, uh, but it's a phenomenal book. Uh, filled with a lot of great stories. It's it's probably on every ghost investigator's shelf somewhere. Uh, hopefully not used as a doorstop. Uh, but the number one book from the paranormal poll so far. And I'm going to leave the poll open for a while. Uh, ESP Hauntings and Poltergeists. A Parapsychologist Handbook by Lloyd Auerbach. And uh, this book was re-newed, uh, not really a new edition. Just kind of relaunched the old edition kind of um rewritten and republished through create uh create space and uh so people could get their hands on it again it's it's been a a while i have a digital copy of it uh, but i love a hard copy i love a book in my hands and uh, he relaunched that book and it's really it's really got me into this stuff Uh, reading that book kind of gave me a lot of direction and understanding into parapsychology and uh a great, great book. And uh, pretty much anybody who's into ghost investigations, ESP, Hauntings, and Poltergeists is uh, its revered as the Bible of parapsychology, or at least ghost investigation. Uh, it does go down that parapsychology road, but it does a lot of stuff for people in just basic ghost research. So yeah, I kind of cherry-picked six books that I thought were uh, six really good books in their, in their respective areas. Uh, but if you have something that you think should be in that list, let me know. Um, I'm willing to, uh, willing to listen to uh, people out there. If you have a, a book that you think should be in the top, let me know. I'm going to start talking about some books, various books of the week, uh, historically. And hopefully we're going to be adding some more. I've got a few on my shelf that I've not talked about yet. And I've got a bunch. Uh, I've got a... Uh, uh, yeah, parapsychology is a dying – it's a dying field. Uh, it's just disappearing, slowly dissipating. Uh, I got a bunch of books I can't find, and uh, Colin Schneider, who is a former host on a uh, station that we used to be a part of a couple of years ago where the majority of these books were talked about, asked me about a book. And I'm panicking because I can't find this book, and it's a really, kind of a rare, hard-to-find book, and I can't find it. It's really annoying me, but uh, we'll be talking about some new books as we move forward. And again, don't forget about the polls. The paranormal poll also have a kind of a controversial one that we're not going to talk about too much tonight. But the question is, can there be experts in the paranormal? And this has been a a sore topic for people for many, many years. And uh, at first I was going to ask yes or no. But I kind of did a little, uh, stretched it out a little bit. So I put yes, no, possibly. And I also put maybe, but probably not, kind of a negative. But not really slamming the door on it, but uh, not really leaving much space open on that either. And we kind of got a little split here. So we have tied for first. We have possibly and maybe, but probably not. And second place is yes. And nobody said no. So it's a a really controversial topic. And, you know, a lot of people are are very firm in their opinions on this about their being experts. Some people will say you can't be an expert in the unknown. We don't know. We don't have answers for this stuff. So how can you be an expert? And other people say, well, you know, if you study this and you have information about these things and you're very well versed in, and how certain things are done. Or uh, the history of something. Then yeah. You should be an expert. But uh, yeah. It's very controversial. And um, I don't think it'll ever really have a true answer. Because again. It's really opinion based. And we all have our. We all have our opinions. It was We've probably all seen the last few weeks. On social media. About a lot of things that have happened. Uh, but Regardless, uh, we've got some news, and uh, yeah, uh, Colin Schneider. So give give an update on Colin. He uh, you know was graduating high school as a youngster, young kid, a little whippersnapper in the cryptid field. Uh, he had a uh, radio show, the Crypto Kid radio show for a couple of years, and I took a little he took a little break as he should. I mean, getting getting. Getting his uh, career going. Getting his uh, you know focus of getting out of school and, and uh, doing... He did some different things. Got involved with some events and publishing some books and things like that. So, But he's coming back. I don't know about a radio show, but I know Colin's getting back into cryptozoology. He's going to do some writing, so keep your eyes out. Uh, maybe, possibly, his book will be a book of the week in the future. See what I did there? Uh, anyway... Let's get into some news. We've got quite a bit of news that I want to talk about. Um, ah, shoot. But before I do, forgot to mention, uh, not really spent too much time looking or worrying about paranormal conferences and conventions. Uh, but I did just happen to get uh, an email from somebody a couple of days ago. Uh, the West Virginia Penitentiary Paracon 2020, that was set for June 27th to 28th. Oh, uh, That's been canceled. It was canceled pretty much a week ago today. Uh, So that event will not take place this year. And uh, keep your eyes peeled if you're – I know everyone wants to get out and and mix and mingle and and go to these things, go to these events. But uh, be very aware that uh, different things that are going on in different states, uh, even different cities, may – prohibit these events from being able to take place or just the risks involved at all uh, may mean that these events don't take place Uh, so keep an eye out Uh, generally social media don't the websites these things have are generally not updated quickly some of them are not saying all of them Um, but find out who's involved who's running these things and get a hold of them if you're Uh, If you've already bought tickets, if you're thinking about buying tickets, I would kind of think twice. Uh, I would kind of wait to see how things kind of settle. Uh, Normally, I wouldn't say that. I would say, yeah, get out there. Um, But, uh, you know, large events like this with a lot of people gathering, uh, still probably going to be some issues moving forward with a lot of this stuff. So have patience. There's going to be a lot of events going on next year, a lot of makeup stuff. So, yeah, stay tuned. And with that, we're going to jump into cryptid news with both feet. No parachutes allowed. And we're going to head to um, – well, that's a surprise. It's a surprise where we're going here. But uh, the leading story here for for the cryptid news is kind of a topic I, I talked about last year a lot. And uh, just kind of – actually, a story popped up, and it was a really dry week in the news It ended up being one of the largest topics of the year, and that was about alligators being found in the northeast United States. Um, So we had a a lot of stories last year from early spring all the way into Halloween, Halloween in Chicago, of all places. And about a month ago, I did have a story about an alligator in Ontario, Canada. Uh, That one merely escaped momentarily before being recaptured. Uh, Last year in August, here in Ohio, we had a really scary story, uh, kind of different from the normal, typical alligator sightings. We had a large crocodile that was seen swimming in a river where children were playing. Uh, Playing in the banks of this river, and somebody uh, walking on a bridge happened to look down and see this large crocodile swimming through the water towards the kids. Well, the children made it out in time, and unfortunately the seven-foot-long crocodile uh, was killed on the scene. Uh, there was really no way they could lasso it. Uh, you know, we're not really equipped for crocodile uh, capturing here in Ohio. Uh, so unfortunately, they had to uh, put it down. Uh, so Friday, June 5th, around noon local time, a report came into to the local police in Simankas, About a sighting of a crocodile. And no, Simancas is not in Ohio. It's actually a city in northern Spain. Spain. Not sure we've ever had a story on Spain. I do know I've had listeners from Spain. So I appreciate you out there in Spain. I appreciate everybody, really, no matter where you're at. Uh, So Simancas is about, let's see, it's about a two hour drive. Northwest of Madrid, the big city there in Spain, if you haven't been there. Uh, don't fight the bulls. Don't fight the bulls. Uh, don't. You can run with the bulls, I think, there as well. Is that there in Spain? Or is that in Mexico? I think it's Spain. We're going to go with Spain. Uh, the following day, so on Friday, June 5th, there was a report. Somebody saw, they thought it was a crocodile. Uh, the following day, another report came in that a crocodile was swimming in the Puis Piz, River. Pisuerga? Is that my Spanish version? Uh, which is a, a little bit further south from the initial report. Now, I don't know. I don't know how cold that river is. It's gotta be can't be very warm. Yeah it, yeah I don't I don't know how warm it would be. It's pretty much I think Spain is pretty much if you spin the globe, I think it's kind of it's in more in line with, it's pretty close to Ohio, but I think it's a little further north of this area. But uh, it can't be very warm in that river. And since then, the search has been on. They've uh, they've had a crew of people looking for this, this uh, crocodile in various uh, two rivers that kind of converge in the area. Uh, they've not been able to find anything, but they did find some tracks and a partially eaten fish that has gone on to be... Uh, Uh, The sign of this creature, but so far the actual creature itself, elusive. Uh, Fernando Gomez, a professional tracker from Chelonia Association for Conservation, Research and Planning of Natural Resources. uh, He stepped in. Uh, He's an expert, by the way, we can call him that. Uh, He states that tracks near a confluence of local rivers uh, does not indicate a large reptile. A partially eaten fish is also said to not correspond to a large reptile either. So they found tracks and a partially eaten fish. Uh, despite the negative findings, uh, Gomez is pretty dismissive here. He says, uh, yeah, it's not it's not a large reptile. Get, come on. You guys are seeing things. Uh, Gomez, though, is not saying that the crocodile is not there, just that these signs do not point to the presence of one and uh, he says the tracks really point toward a fisherman in the area, not a crocodile. It's kind of weird. You can't determine crocodile versus people. Uh, I don't know. That's kind of weird. And the fish, more than likely eaten by an otter. I don't think a crocodile is going to leave much behind. And uh, so far, no one's seen this, so there, there are no pictures yet. I know everybody carries cell phones, even in Spain. Spain sure everybody's got one or two, three. Uh, but uh, everyone's got a, a camera. I get it. But uh, no one's got a picture of this yet that I know of. And the story's kind of stalled out over the last couple of days, four days. You'd think you'd find something. Uh, crocodiles uh, don't live in Spain. I don't know if, if people know that or not. Uh, don't live in Spain. Uh, they think this is a Nile Crocodile, which is cool because Nile crocodile just sounds cool. Uh, these are big boys and girls. And girls, of course. I uh, can't say big girls because that doesn't come across the radio very Whoops, I just said it. Anyway, uh, crocodiles live in the sub-Saharan area of Africa, which is actually pretty close to Spain. But you got to cross some salt water there, so probably not in Spain. Uh, they also live in the Nile Basin and Madagascar. Very similar to alligators that live in rivers, marshes, and swamps. Uh, but these are, these are big. They can reach a maximum of 20 feet long and can weigh up to 1,650 pounds. They're known to take down zebras and small hippos. Yeah, and uh, these rivers uh, popular places for people to swim. And uh, have some recreation. So a little bit of uh, caution there for the people in this area but uh, so far no sighting of any crocodile but uh, everyone's got their eyes peeled i don't know how long i could live in that area uh, with cold water like that and nile crocodiles do spend a majority of their day out sunning Uh, but if um, disturbed by people yeah they're going to dive in the water and, and dive down. They can be underwater, I think, for about like 20 minutes or so and uh, hide from people. But you'd think you'd see something. Somebody should see this uh, thing jumping in the water or see it uh, laying on the bank somehow, way. So I think if we go another couple of weeks and no- nothing is seen, we can chalk it up to an active or, say, overactive imagination. But uh, even if they did see something, is also a good chance that with the cold water conditions, more than likely in that area, uh, this crocodile might not have been able to survive in those conditions. Uh, So before I scroll too far, let me take the link and I will throw it in the chat room gently. Let me place it in the chat room gently. I try to do this uh, so if you guys are really interested in peeking at these stories, uh, some of these stories have videos and different things. You can uh, peruse that while listening the show at the same time Uh, but if you're not listening live or you're not in the chat room fear not because these links will be available to you after the show Uh, actually during the week I kind of space things out a little bit I don't like to just throw a whole bunch at you although it's been suggested to me that uh, I just put all the links in a blog or something and uh, put out to you but I'm trying to get people into the chat room I want you here. I want you live. And I want you to mingle with all my friends in the chat room. Paul, Dia, and, and everybody else that's gathered tonight. Appreciate everybody being in there. Uh, but I do share the links out during the week. I do space them out, one a day, pretty much. I don't want to inundate people with 19,000 stories a day. Um, but you'll get them. Don't worry. I don't really use, uh, you know, 20 stories a day or a show anyway. So only a few. A week, so I do space it out so you can uh, digest it at your pleasure, like a crocodile. Uh, UFO news. So, MUFON has released their monthly sighting statistics. I'm always excited about these. Uh, So they have their statistics out for the month of May, and uh, you know if you've been following the. Well, following the show, because I don't think anybody else is really talking about MUFON sighting statistics other than myself. I don't know. Haven't heard anybody else. Uh, So if you've been listening to the show, you'd know that we've had a major, major spike, a dramatic increase, pretty much in the average number of sightings, both worldwide and here in the United States. Uh, For the month of March, uh, MUFON revealed 883. Worldwide sightings with 672 uh, in the United States. So this was the first time since 2017 that the total sightings reached 800. In uh, April, MUFON reported another record month with 1,026 total worldwide sightings. And this was the most since 2015. 770 settings were reported in the united states also the most reported in the last five years and obviously i think a lot of this was due to the fact that people were locked down to their house they got bored they got tired of watching netflix they watched everything on disney plus all 20 uh, avengers movies you got caught up uh I don't know, maybe even you watched some of the DC stuff. I don't know if you were that bored. Uh, but everybody got caught up on, on everything and uh, started going outside, I guess. The weather started getting a little bit better. And uh, people were reporting UFOs like crazy. And maybe not seeing them because the way MUFON works, uh, these reports, uh, no matter when they were seen, if they were reported in that month, they count for that month. So if somebody didn't have time and they finally sat down and said you know i saw a ufo in 1985 and they finally had time to report it uh doesn't matter when it happened in 1985 uh it's going to count for whatever month it was submitted which i'm not a fan of but i don't run move on. not yet uh so when i do or if i ever did uh i would change that a little bit i know they've been trying to work on that uh, but uh, let's get to my prediction i've been stalling long enough Uh, Last month, I predicted – this is a little fun game I play – predict the sighting numbers. So last month, I predicted the sightings for the month of May, which – I mean, it's pretty much just – you just take a a shot in the dark because it's just crazy. It's been all over the place. Uh, I said there would be a slight drop-off because uh, after two months of an increase, I expected the uh, – expected it to kind of slightly drop off. Uh, so I predicted 914 total sightings with 681 in the United States. So I know Dita's, yeah, there it is. I knew Dita would already have it. Uh, so I can't lie. She takes uh, takes that into consideration. She writes that down every time I say it. So yeah, I can't. I can't get away with it. Uh, well, I was trying to ride the Lightning a bit too long. As the uh, the numbers dropped off a lot more than I thought, so I said 914, and uh, yeah, boy, did they fall down. Mufon reported 759. Ouch, ouch, wasn't even close. Uh, but who knew? I mean, I didn't expect them to be over a thousand, uh, you know, in April. So 759 total sightings for the month of May, and it really and truly, this is still higher than the average number of sightings reported for the last few years. So it's it's really actually kind of more or less in line with uh, well, a little higher than average. But I think it's, it's going to eventually kind of drop down. And uh, obviously much lower than what we've seen in the last two months. Uh, so the number of U.S. sightings. So what did I say? 681. Well, it was only 100 off, about 100 off. Uh, It was 572. Ouch. Uh, But this is still well above average for the last few years. And again, a a big drop from the last two months of 672 and 770. Wow. Not playing the lottery this month. Uh, Of the 759 total sightings, The United States led this uh, with 572, of course, because MUFANA is in the United States, and a majority of their focus is right here. Uh, Canada was next with 57, followed by the United Kingdom with 33. France did their best, Uh, 26. Brazil turned in 8. Mexico, India, and Australia had 5 each, and Colombia had 4. Four. It's pretty good, actually, for Colombia. Thirty-two other countries and territories turned in reports. Yet twenty-three of those only turned in one report. Um, so a flurry of numbers headed your way now. Hopefully, it doesn't make your head spin. But I love numbers. Statistics don't lie, although you can make statistics lie for you, I guess. Uh, Of the 572 U.S. sightings, California, as always, led the way with 76. And Not always, but they usually do. 99 times out of 100, it seems like. Uh, Texas was second with 38. Florida turned in 37. New York had 31. Michigan turned in 24. Missouri had 21. Oregon had 20. Tennessee had 19. Arizona had 18. Washington State, that is, 17. New Mexico had 16. That's amazing, 16. Well, we'll have to do the breakdown on that one. Uh, North Carolina and Ohio had 15 reports each. Colorado had 14. Georgia and Illinois had 13 each. Nevada and Indiana had 12 apiece. Uh, Pennsylvania, Yins had 11. Uh, Alabama 10, Minnesota 9, South Carolina, Louisiana, Maryland, and Virginia. Big tie with eight apiece. Uh, New Jersey had seven. Would have had more if it wasn't for the uh, tolls. Uh, Wisconsin, Utah, Oklahoma, and Massachusetts had six each. We had Maine, Arkansas, and West Virginia with five. And I'm not going to read all of them. Holy smokes. There's 14 other states that turned in reports with four of those 14 only turning in one report. And I'd like to do a little bit of statistics here, a little bit of math. Uh, 572 U.S. reports. If you look at the total population, that turns into a 0.17 per capita, so per 100,000 people. It's 0.17. So uh, you can do the math further and say it's a 1 in 573,845 people in the United States. So uh, not really significant. I think you'd have a better chance of getting bit by a shark and uh, swept up in a tornado in the same day, pretty much. Don't quote me on that. I'm just guessing. Uh, California, number one in state population, turned in, uh, they had 76 sightings. So that translates to a .19, so above average for the number of sightings for the United States. Or you could translate that to a 1 in 519,898 people reported a UFO in California last month. Uh, so from that, that kind of gives us our kind of our uh, a range, not a range, uh, kind of our basis for where we're we're looking. If it's you know 0.17 U.S. average, uh, New York, uh, California always seems to lead it, uh, but they're a little bit above that, at 0.19. So anybody around that or higher is what we're going to look at. Tennessee, 16th in state population, uh, they had 19 sightings. They turned in a 0.28 or 1 in 359,641. Um, Missouri number 18 in state population. They had 21 sightings. That translates to a 0.34 or 1 in every 292,259 people. Wyoming. Wyoming is way down there. Uh, 50th state population. Uh, more cows than people, more cows. I don't even know how many cows they have, but not a lot of people. I've met one, one person from Wyoming my entire life that I know. uh, They turned in a whopping two, yes, two reports, but that translates to a 0.35 per capita uh, or one in every 289,380 people still pretty significant with uh, just two sightings. Um, Maine. State of Maine, number 42 in state population. Uh, five reports. And they have a point three seven or one in every 268,842. Um, let see, what else do we have? Uh, Rhode Island. Four reports. That's pretty... Pretty high. I've never seen four reports in Rhode Island before. Uh, Rhode Island is number 44 in state population. Uh, That translates to a 0.38 or one in every 264,840 people. Uh, Oregon, number 27 in state population. They had a pretty significant number here, 20 sightings. Again, I think that's pretty much the highest that I've ever seen there. Uh, That translates to 0.47 or 1 in 210,887. And uh, pretty good for them. Um, New Mexico, mentioned them, number 37 in state population, 16 sightings. Pretty significant for New Mexico. That gives them a 0.76. Not quite a record, but pretty high. Uh, one in every 131,052 people reported a UFO in New Mexico last month. So pretty good. They're the winner. Congratulations, New Mexico! You uh, win a handful of uh, sand. Congratulations. Um, but uh, pretty pretty good for them. And I'm not sure what the spike was. I really haven't had time to really dig through uh, reports, or I've not really seen anything significant. I do know that. Uh, more of those satellites were launched from uh, SpaceX. My favorite little satellites that cause disruption up there in space. Um, but uh, don't know where they were seen. And I, I know Dean is waiting. Pen in hand. Ready to uh, write down my June prediction for the MUFON sighting statistics. And my June prediction, I've, I've changed this like four times. And, um. Let's see. I think I'm going to go. well, I have kind of like a, a low and a high. And uh, I'm going to go with the low. I think we'll, we'll stick with the low. Uh, yeah. Let's see a question in the chat uh, Yellowstone sightings. Well, Yellowstone is mostly in Wyoming. And I think it's in Montana and Idaho as well. But I think most of it's in Wyoming. Uh, Anyway, uh, let's see. Pencil in hand. Pencil in hand. I'm going to go with, um, all right, enough stalling. 681 total sightings. 681. And we'll go 479. 479, 479 for U.S. sightings. So 681 and 479 will be my prediction for the month of June. Write that down. And according to Dita, I was correct. Yeah. So Montana, Wyoming. I guess in Utah too, isn't it part of it? No, I don't know. Haven't been there yet. And we're going to talk about Yellowstone. Oh yeah, Yellowstone. 681, 479. That's it. Yep. Uh, so that's your sighting statistics for the month of May. And again, you know, it's it's kind of, I like talking about them because we don't really have any other statistics to talk about, about UFO sightings. And it's great because other fields really don't have anything like this at all. Um, but that being said, the MUFON sighting statistics are really pretty much insignificant. Not It's not really a mind-boggling number of people that are reporting these things. Uh, but again, it does give us kind of a, a glimpse of what's going on out there as far as UFO reports are concerned. But again, one of the major pitfalls of these, uh, these pieces of reports is that doesn't matter when they happen. This is just when they were reported. So again, if somebody saw something in September of 1985 and they just so happened to report it last month, it's going to go in that for last month. And, um, it's uh, yeah, it's just really weird. I don't get it, but uh, you know, and then it wouldn't be that hard. I don't think it'd be that hard to really separate all this stuff. But another thing to consider too is, uh, let's say something happened at the end of April, April 29th or whatever, and you just finally got around to putting it on there. Um, believe it's still the same way that if it doesn't matter, it's just when that report was submitted that that's when. It is uh, in their statistics. I could be wrong. They might have changed that. But that was the last time I was researching MUFON sighting statistics, which was a while ago. I'm not really a member of MUFON anymore for different reasons. Um, But uh, ah, who knows? Maybe again. Uh, So I don't really have access to uh, all the data. Uh, So maybe uh, one day I'll get in there and tinker around. Uh, All right, so ghost news. Yeah, we got everything this week. We do have cryptid news, UFO news, ghost news, and some other news lurking in the darkest corners of the paranormal. Uh, Ghost news, well, you know, we talked about you might be sick and tired of being stuck in your house uh, from, you know, COVID-19. You're kind of tired of being locked down yourself. Over the last few months. But that doesn't mean. That television can't exploit your feelings on that matter. Right? We haven't had much new TV. Uh, really since all this stuff. Uh, this week. Ghost Adventures. We've been talking about this for a while. Ghost Adventures. Quarantine. Makes its debut. Yeah because. What a great idea. We've never had a ghost show. Where people were locked into a building before. What a great concept! Uh, kidding, uh, kidding. Uh, they've done lockdowns for years, and it's they the. Uh, I don't know if it was this show or Ghost Hunters, uh, pretty much, in, you know, invented that term of lockdown, which doesn't really doesn't make it any more scientific to lock yourself in a building at all. Uh, really, the best way to investigate would actually be to find out what's going on outside that could affect what you're hearing inside. But that's just me. Uh, anyway, uh, there's a lot of talk about being secluded, evil forces uh, facing certain things head-to-head, on a lot of stuff that's in that press release, which I, I read uh, parts of that a few weeks ago. It just seems like it's really over the top. They're really trying to sell this as a really scary thing. Uh, but in reality, it's just a bunch of guys sitting in Zach Bagan's personal museum in Nevada for a few days just hanging out uh, and shooting some some video. But supposedly, there's a lot of action, a lot of things going on, a lot of uh, hurt feelings, probably some crying involved, probably a lot of pointing and yelling as well. Um, I should count. It should, should probably be a drinking game. How are your times they say, dude, or look at that, or did you hear that? Those three things you should take a drink. Uh, that'll mess you up pretty much by the end of that show. Um, so, yeah, reality, it's just a bunch of guys sitting around in, in Bagan's uh, personal museum. But, uh, yeah, a lot of action supposedly has been going on during the filming of this. Uh, But, yeah, I'm guessing it involves a lot of did-you-hear-thats and whoa-dude, what was that? Uh, A lot of expressions followed by random noises. Probably replayed about four or five times with the dramatic music in the background. And a bunch of odd experiments. I say experiments funny because uh, air quotes... And loosely related to science, that's more or less just things that uh, they're going to do with fancy gadgets with cool names that are for sale for you to buy on websites on the internet. Now, they're going to do weird things over and they're going to repeat things over and over until something finally happens. And they're going to say, oh, my gosh, did you – oh, it's proven. It's a ghost because we said it 19,000 times and it happened. Can't be a coincidence. Yeah. So I am pretty, pretty negative about this, don't I? I'm not really much of a fan. Oh, Zach? I mean, Zach's cool. I love his hair. Cool cat, I'm sure. I'm just mad I didn't get to hang out with him when I was in town at the same time he was. Uh, but uh, if you're a fan, don't forget to turn in this Thursday, June 11th at 9 p.m. Eastern on the Travel Channel. For the beginning of a special four-part mini-series, yes, Ghost Adventures Quarantine. Check your local listings, as I always say. Um, yeah, I think Ghost Adventures Lockdown would have been more dramatic, but you know, again, lockdown's been used already. Quarantine—it's—I don't know—it just sounds more fitting, and it's going to sell some cars. As they like to, of course. Um, Let's see. Question in chat. Why did he... Why did Zach tear down the demon house instead of selling it? Well, uh, it's pretty dilapidated from what I understood. And I think people were breaking into it. Probably couldn't afford it. I mean, he could afford it. My gosh, he could probably buy a hundred of those things. I don't know exactly why, but uh, he claims it was because it was evil. I think it was just a dump by the time he had it. People were just tearing it up and probably couldn't turn a profit on it. So, yeah, let's just tear it down. But I think there was some local pressure as well to uh, get rid of it because people were making their way down there and breaking into it and causing a disruption in the neighborhood. But that's, uh, that's just what I've read. Not sure. So, if you're interested in this press release and you want to hear and read about it, I'll throw it in chat for you all to read. Place it gently in chat. I don't want to hurt Paul or anyone else for that matter. So, let's see here. www. That should work. Is that going to work? I don't know. see what happens. There it is. All right. Uh, So if if Zach Bagans isn't your cup of tea, but you really want to uh, to see some ghost stuff on TV, don't fear. Travel Channel, which is where uh, ghost adventures will be, uh, they also are going to have some uh, some other shows, some other specials, four one-hour-long specials. Uh, they're going to be hosted by Dave Schrader from the Holzer Files uh, on Thursday, June 11th, 10 p.m. Eastern. So when you're done with Zach, you can turn back in uh, to the Holzer Files. They're going to be showcased. Uh, the cast is going to join Dave. Well, he's part of the cast. They're going to do- join Dave, and they're going to talk about some of the scariest moments on that show. Uh, the following Thursday, June 18th at 10 p.m. Eastern and Pacific, Destination Fear. Behind the Screams, where the cast of uh, Destination Fear will join Dave Schrader and talk about moments from their show. Then you're going to have Kindred Spirits, Back from the Dead. It's going to appear on June 25th at 10 p.m. Eastern and Pacific with Amy Bruni, Adam Berry, and Chip Coffee. Uh, So we're going to be talking with uh, Dave uh, about the old jail in St. Augustine, Florida. Love St. Augustine. Uh, Finally, on July 2nd at 10 p.m. Eastern and Pacific, Ghost Brothers Haunted House Party. So the cast from Ghost Brothers will join Dave Schrader to talk about their scariest and most outrageous moments on their show. So kind of an inside look at some of these shows if you've been a fan of any of those four ghost shows uh, Tune in during the uh, the next couple of Thursdays The next four Thursdays Following The uh, ghost adventures quarantine Not not really a fan of any of those shows But um, There's some interesting things with some of that uh, Some of these shows every now and again So I don't know And I really like St. Augustine <sighs> so maybe i don't know we'll see what i'm doing so anyway other news we've been uh, seen a lot of yellowstone stuff talked about in the uh well, let me get this link in, in the chat room so seen some talk in the chat room about yellowstone and uh, it's been floating around the internet Last few days, really last few years, let's, let's not kid ourselves. This is an ongoing story, and it's really nothing I've ever talked about. Careful, Paul, here it comes. Whew, okay. Uh, really nothing I've really tackled here on the show. Uh, so here I go. And, uh, I mean, 2020. I mean, my gosh, just think about it. It's only June. We're halfway through it. We've, we've come this far. Almost halfway through. Uh, we're midway through the year. Uh, I mean, think about it. We started out this year thinking that we're going to go to war with Iran. We had the impeachment trial of President Trump. Uh, the Calabasas, California helicopter crash that killed Kobe Bryant and his daughter. Uh, I mean, th- these stories just dominated January. Seems like so long ago. Since then, the COVID-19 pandemic has dominated the headlines. Uh, since then, we've had the occasional scary story like murder hornets that capti- uh, captivated bored and, and unfortunately furloughed people, people you know, sitting around. Um, obviously, lately, you can't hide from this. The uh, the murder of George Floyd has uh, fueled rage across the United States, protesting, rioting, looting, burning stuff. Uh Creating a lot more fear with people. Uh, and if all of this hasn't been enough to scare U.S. citizens and uh, some people are around the world, obviously, with COVID-19, now the headlines are talking about a scary number of earthquakes happening in Yellowstone National Park. I mean, is it going to blow up? They're scheduling it, I think, for June. Is going to blow up. That's what people are saying on the little calendar that's floating around. The end of the world. Well, at least the end of the United States, at least the end of the Midwest. So now there's a lot of fear uh, that uh, a lot of earthquakes means that the uh, earthquake, uh, I should say, the earthquakes are adding up to the volcano. That's going to erupt. I mean, we've all seen Dante's Peak. You know, we know how this ends up, right? We're all experts. Everyone's experts when they watch a movie or they, they read an article. We're all experts. On topics, you know, I've seen this uh, on social media. Everyone on Facebook is an expert at, uh, you know, uh, racial uh, divide and, and uh, you know, everything else that's in the news. Everyone's suddenly an expert at all this. But what about Yellowstone? What about the super volcano? What's really going on? And in all honesty, this year is really no different. Uh, it's circulated for years at Yellowstone. The supervolcano—it's uh, actually called the Yellowstone Caldera—is overdue for an eruption. We've been hearing this for years. And if you want to know the truth, I'll give you the truth. If you can handle the truth, that's what I do here on the show. I don't—I do not uh, don't sugarcoat anything. I, I give it to you how it is. I'm not—I'm not, I'm not going to give you the popular opinion that's floating on paranormal websites, what everyone else is talking about, what everyone else believes. I'm—I'm I'm digging in. I don't care. If it is, it is. Uh, but if it's not, it's not. Then I'm going to give you the answer. And the answer is, it's probably not. The uh, It's not true that uh, Yellowstone is overdue at all. Uh, volcanoes do not work in predictable ways. Uh, we can kind of guess. We can speculate. And uh, a new study actually found... And the, uh, must in geology, say, uh, they suggest that uh, this, in this study, that the volcano was actually in decline. Or what they say is actually significant decline. Uh, yes, there were 288 earthquakes that occurred in the month of May. And most of these uh, happen in three bursts that are called swarms. I forget there was, oh, what, over 100 that happened in a 24-hour time span. And uh, that's kind of scary. You think about it, you know, man, you read that article, you, you read that headline, you're thinking, oh, man, this thing's going to blow up. We're doomed. Doomed for certain. Um, and if you compare, so for uh, comparison's sake, March had 111 earthquakes, so not even half of what May had. I, I don't have the numbers for April. I'm getting a lot of numbers tonight. Uh, in June of 2017, so everyone's panicking, 288 earthquakes, everyone's panicking. But in June of 2017, headlines feared an eruption after 464 earthquakes occurred in one week. In the month of June. So the famous geysers, mud pots, hot springs, other geothermal activity, along with earthquakes, might suggest that the volcano might blow at any time. But science says otherwise. And, uh, you know, I saw Dita put in there that, uh, you know, the geysers and all this are, are kind of a, the earthquake's way of releasing pressure and and everything. Well, the hot magma is boiling all this stuff. All this water and everything. And people think, hey, I'm going to go get – I'm not paying for the spa, man. I'm going to Yellowstone. I'm going to slide into that uh, really cool colored water and and, uh, give me a nice relaxing ah, hot bath. Well, unfortunately, every year people try it. They sneak in there. They try to dive in that water, and they die. Every year somebody dies from this thinking that they're not going to die. But they do die because it's super hot. Boiling water. Um, Yeah, I mean, look what happens to a hot dog when you put it in boiling water. Does anybody boil hot dogs? Is that old fashioned? I don't know. Anyway, uh, researchers have found that six super eruptions occurred during the Miocene geological era at an average of once every 500,000 years. And this is where everyone gets their data from, their information. They think, well, you know, back in the Miocene era, it's every 500,000, and so therefore, uh, we're overdue. Not true. Uh, over the last three million years, the number of eruptions has slowed. Uh, volcanologist and author of the latest research, Thomas Knott, he says, quote, We have demonstrated that the recurrence rate of Yellowstone's super eruptions appears to be once every 1.5 million years. The last super eruption there was 630,000 years ago. And that's where a lot of people say it's already got 500,000, so we're 130,000 years over. No, no, no. Uh, so the last super eruption was 630,000 years ago, suggesting we may have up to another 900,000 years before. Another eruption of this scale occurs, unquote. Well, there's a lot of stuff I added there in the middle of that. But uh, basically, no, we're not overdue. It could happen tomorrow. Could happen Thursday. uh, More than likely not. Speaking of not, uh, not was quick to state that the 900,000 year figure was merely an estimate. And that continuous monitoring of the area by the U.S. Geological Survey must continue. Other experts in the past said that large-scale earthquakes might be the biggest immediate threat in the area. So an earthquake might be uh, our biggest threat, not a volcano erupting, although that would be pretty catastrophic. Uh, The USGS does not seem concerned, as their recent update states, quote, earthquake sequences like these are common and account for roughly 50% of the total seismicity in the Yellowstone region, unquote. I never knew seismicity was a word until... Uh, now, a clock. And speaking of a clock, we've got one more story. So hang in there. Don't leave me. Uh, don't leave me talking by myself. So we throw that link in there real quick. And a uh, story that I really want to talk about comes from the great state of Texas. And this story got my attention because of two things. Uh, first of all, sky noise. Second of all, it's from Bryan, Texas. And uh, Bryan, Texas is a a place I'm actually very familiar with. I spent a lot of time there over the last, I don't know how many years. A good close friend of mine went to uh, Texas A&M University, which is in a nearby city of College Station. They kind of refer to it as Bryan College Station. It's like one big lump of town. Uh, But uh, yeah, a lot lot of stories I have. I probably drank in every bar in town. Had my fair share of Uh, But that's uh, probably stories for another time. Maybe even another show. I don't know. Uh, but yeah. Sky Noise. The number one paranormal news story of 2012. Well, according to me, that is. and uh, The number two paranormal news story of 2013. Yeah, Sky Noise. Uh, Sky Noise took the internet by storm. And that background sound of one of the original Sky Noise videos was used in a number of video ripoffs. Uh, eventually, the original video that was in British Columbia was discovered to be the noise of a road grader used at a skate park in British Columbia. But uh, i was still excited to see another Sky Noise video, especially in a location I was familiar with. And if you've not heard this, uh, the video is downright spooky it's uh, it's actually pretty scary to hear this uh, especially with the lightning in the background uh, so the video was taken by a man named daniel rob back on may 27th of this year during a thunderstorm uh, the sounds he recorded are extremely eerie uh it sounds like a woman screaming at the top of her lungs but it's coming from the sky uh rob was convinced that this was a banshee or something else explainable. He kept pointing toward the sky. It's coming out of the sky. And it lasted at least a half hour. Uh, he even attempted to find the cause of the noise without success. Although his attempt was cut short due to the weather. Well, there's been a lot of speculation online about what the cause was. Uh, but it wasn't long. It's was actually about a day uh, before a few people stepped forward with information. That the noise was actually caused by a pressure release valve from Texas A&M's Global Health Research Complex. And video taken closer to the plant uh, actually allows you to not only hear the noise, but also see the steam coming from the plant uh, on top of the building as well. So kind of put the bed, put the rest, but unfortunately, a lot of people are not convinced. Uh, You know, armchair skeptics, armchair believers, whatever you want to call them, a lot of people, uh, despite this documentation, Uh, Fairly well documentation by locals. Uh, Many people still feel something unexplainable is going on. Uh, Thunderbirds, ghosts, sky noise. uh, Conspiracy theories abound about this story. But uh, I think this is going to continue to percolate like the steam coming out of that event. Uh, But uh, let me throw that in the chat room. But it's a really cool story. I thought don't hear much about sky noise and this video i'm going to put in the chat room wait till you hear this uh really downright spooky scary i wish kind of wish this week that i would have a pre-recorded show like i used to do so i could throw that noise in there it's just downright scary link is on its way and there it is and don't fear the reaper don't fear if you've not gotten a chance to hear this uh, if you i mean you can google it yourself you're grown-ups uh, even if you're kids, I'm sure you can figure out how to Google something. Uh, but never fear, I will throw the links in the socials, that social media stuff, uh, Facebook and Twitter, in the following days. And so uh, keep keep your eye out. And also, keep your eyes in the skies. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Appreciate everybody in the chat room. And also appreciate, if you're not in the chat room, yeah, if you're listening to the show, I really do appreciate you. Uh, trust me, I know you're listening, and I do appreciate you for taking time out of your busy day. And you know, Lots of other things you could be doing, so I do appreciate you for, for you listening to the show. But for now, yes, keep your eyes in the skies. You never know what you might see. Your ears in the woods. I think that was Bigfoot. Uh, the hair standing on the back of your neck. Check under your bed before you go to sleep tonight. And always keep your mind slightly ajar. And above all else, no, don't keep your mind in a jar. Keep your mind slightly ajar. That means slightly open. But I don't want your brains falling out. All right? Above all else, don't stop believing. For the Paranormal News Insider, this is Dr. Brian D. Parsons reporting.